So, hello folks. Uh, before the show, Kevin, Neth, and I were talking about some health stuff, and I told Kevin that he needed to do something very specific. So I'm actually going to share this with everybody now at this point. Um, this is for the guys, but uh, gals and theys, this uh, could be pertinent to you also, or to maybe somebody around you. Um, guys, you need to properly check for testicular cancer. All right. You should, self, you should do a self-check every time you take a shower, or at least once a month. Uh, to properly do a self-check, make sure that during a warm or hot shower, uh, make sure you're doing it during a warm or hot shower, I should say. Uh, to properly juggle your plums, please ensure that the carrying case is as fully relaxed as it can be, and take one of the plums in the palm of your hand. Uh, and using your other hand, gently roll it between your palms, probing for sore spots or anything that feels unusual, such as a lump, bump, or uneven spot. Uh, follow the tether from the plum back to the core. Uh, continue to seek out anything that may feel unusual, out of place, or painful. And congratulations, you've successfully juggled plums. Uh, guys, also check your tits. Uh, go look up how the ladies do it, and then just do it to yourself. Stay healthy and don't fucking die. Hello, folks, and welcome to episode 169 of the Coast to Coast podcast, Coast to Coast Expanded Universe podcast. My name, of course, is Gavril. This is Kevin. Hello. And this is Neth. Hey, hey. As I said, this is episode 169. Uh, today's date is uh, June the 18th. Uh, it's about 1020 a.m. here in Houston, so that means it's about 820 back in California, and it's uh, about 1230 over in... Uh, over on the far hellscape of the east, 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 east. Um, it is a lovely Saturday morning over here. It is uh, about 32 degrees Celsius and uh, terrible. How are you all doing? Great. Tired. He's very upset that I explained how to check for testicular cancer again. I'm, I'm amused because I love when you do shit to annoy him. <laughs> Juggle plums. Juggling plums, yep. That was the best euphemism ever. (laughs) I'm surprised you've never heard that. It's, uh, yeah, I'm surprised you've never heard that. Um, So, uh, you may notice that Chris is not here. He has got, uh, work is doing a little bit of a crunch right now, so he is out for the week. Um, You may also notice that we didn't do a show last week because nobody showed up. Hey, I was entirely true. I was private. Yes, but apparently you didn't want to do a show. It was only the both of us, so. Oh, boo fucking who. How many shows have I had to do with you all by myself and one of you? <laughs> um, I don't know, because they tend to go missing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's deep cut. Um, yeah, I'm usually the one that's always here, but I just was not available two weekends ago. Uh, I was out of town, I think. I think I was going to see my brother. No, you were getting yes. work done on your house. That's right. Yes, I was getting some work done on my house. Yeah. It was yeah. the it was like two weeks before that or four weeks before that that I was out of town. Mm-hmm. But I ended up going on a Sunday, so I was actually yeah. here. You were here for the podcast. That, I was here for the podcast. It ended, that, ended yeah. up not affecting it. Yeah. Um. So, how are you all doing, Kevin? What's been going on, my dude? Wow, there's been a lot going on. 
um, since we last talked, I moved into my new house and my parents visited Yay. for over a week. So yeah, that's right. Cause you've been gone for about a month and a half, right? Yeah. Yeah. You've been out for like the last three or four episodes. Yeah. So we bought a house. I moved into the house. Um, done a lot of shopping for the house. Fuck Wayfair, by the way. Yeah. Um, don't buy their crappy, okay. I mean, particle board <laughs> furniture. I mean, you might as well just buy Ikea. Everything's particle board at this point. I, I don't like it. We found some stuff on Etsy, actually. That's, like, better. I'm um, certain you paid out the ass for it, too. No, I found a dude in um, Ohio who builds desks, and it's called, like, Metal and Pine, and that's all it is. It's just metal, like, I would not. You need to pine. learn a yard sale. I wouldn't what use you pine at all. Pine is a softwood, man. I would not use pine for anything. Oh. Eh, I don't know. It worked. She likes it. But if, um, well, as long as she's happy, that's what matters. That's right. Or else I have to hear about it and continue yeah. shopping. Uh huh. Um, uh huh. Welcome to the party, buddy. Yep. So <laughs> oh, you happened. poor fuckers. Um, <laughs> last Friday. We were playing a game called The Quarry with LB. Um You were playing a game called The, the Quarry, Quarry with LB. I was going to say, Quarry. were we? We. Um, the Royal We. Um, there is no Royal We here, asshole. LB, LB and I, well, LB was playing the game, and then Mandy and I were directing him. So it's a story-based game where you make decisions, and then depending on the decisions, different things happen. It's like a build-your-own-adventure or what is that? What are those books called? Choose your own adventure. Choose your own adventure. Yeah, yeah, it's like that, but in a video game form. Okay. I understand it's basically a dark anthology game. It's a lot like the dark anthology <laughs> stuff. Yeah. yeah, it's like a horror game with kids that are at like a summer camp, and then like they choose to stay a day later after everyone else leaves, and then like I mean, some weird which shit totally happens. happen. Yeah, I think Neth would be into it too. Like the direct album. So translated, it's it's scary, and I would probably piss my pants. Possibly, yeah. Well, it's yeah. kind of like you're watching a movie, really, and making decisions, and then it's, LB it's, doing all the work. It's the best of the '90s. It's a full motion video game <laughs> on VHS. Yeah. It kind of is. I enjoyed it. It was it was fun. Okay, what else you been um, doing? Also, got sucked into Diablo Immortal. Um, this was I was like super into it it was very fun especially because it was on computer um, and I was like this is great it's a new Diablo game and I didn't see the, the jerk off motion yeah moment. yeah yeah that was a big one it was... so um, yeah this game was fun until end game and then I pr I quickly lost interest after that. Uh, lost? Lost interest. There you go. <laughs> I told you I'm tired. Um, the game just forces you. Well, it doesn't force you, but it <coughs> it it heavily recommends you spend money. Um, and the one thing that really got me, Neth, was I don't know if you saw. There's like a button where you can see recommended builds for your class. And there's like I've three noticed it. Builds. I haven't paid attention to it. Well. Um, I actually like joined a guild and this guy like was showing me about it. And basically like part of the recommended build is stuff that you can farm in the game. And then part of the recommended build is stuff you need to buy. 
and I was like, this is bullshit. Uh, yeah. hmm. You know, I'm like, okay, so you're recommending that in order to play my class correctly and to use a build, I need I to, to spend, spend money. Spend money. Oh my and god, like, I have the hiccups. Yeah, no. No, thank you. Um, and then a lot of the other rewards that you need to like get builds are just refarming dungeons we'll, over we'll, and over again. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about Diablo Immortal later in the show. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I told the guild that I joined that I'm not going to play anymore. And dude was cool with it. He's like, hey, man, good for you. Like, stick around in the Discord server. And then I just started playing Warframe again and didn't really get to play too much of that. But and I got to I got to start playing again, too. They're running the summer event again. So I always like the summer event. It's always usually kind of fun. Where's that but background yeah. noise coming from? Is that now? Sorry, I turned oh. my fan on because oh. I closed my window. Oh, okay. Is it that? Is it bad? It's that's not egregious. Noticeable. It's noticeable, but it's not egregious. Um, I, I'll die. Never mind. <laughs> uh, I need to jump back in on Warframe again. It's been a while, so I gotta pop back in. I've kept it updated, but I haven't really played recently. Oh, um, we played Forest. Yeah, we played some Forest last night. Uh, last yeah. two nights, probably. Which is still fun. Again, not invited to these things i don't think you would like the game though is one of the big things like knowing how you like knowing how you are with survival games i really don't think the game is like incredible project zomboid i know no 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 Neth. i'm saying it's like the way that the game plays there is literally no direction oh but there is there there's there's a story but there's no direction it doesn't tell you anything well it tells you to explore caves and that's about it. <laughs> and there is bow and arrow, um, so Neth would like that. The other, well, the annoying thing is also that the enemies are constantly respawning, and they patrol, and they jump on you out of nowhere. And there's no real, if, good, good fucking job, <laughs> Neth. There's no real uh, efficient light source in the game. So if you're doing anything at night, oh my God, that you're me. pretty blind. And you can't see a fucking thing. You tried to fucking die. <laughs> Neth almost fell out of her chair, by the way. Yeah, I almost went out of her tea kettle. <laughs> yep. But, um, I mean, you're mentioning a lot of the negative things about the game. I oh, think yeah. there's a bunch of positives to it, too. There's it's some positives. It's a pretty positives. world to walk around in. It's, I think it's fun. Neth, you'll enjoy that it's also a Canadian developer. It's okay. Gab's just mentioning all the negatives because he doesn't want to play video games with me anymore. She's trying to discourage me from playing. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. That is exactly what it is. Uh, there's also a lot of body horror stuff, too. Yeah. I'm just trying to... I'm fucking trying to watch out for you, bitch. All right? God damn. Jesus Animals are pretty nasty, too, the people who fell on the island. Ew. Um... So me personally, I have been playing Stellaris. Um, three, three, four, three has been out for a little while. Three, four, four is actually getting ready to come out with some big updates um, for Overlords. Um, I enjoy the shit out of the game. I am still missing one DLC DLC that I will not be buying until it goes on sale because fuck that game and how it's I'm DLC. Well, I, I I play on GOG. Oh. I play Stellaris on GOG, so we'll see. Um, Played a little bit of the forest with Albie and Kevin. Um, oh, uh, Neth. The other problem is, is that we also play in the ass crack of the fucking night because of Kevin. Yeah. 
Yeah, we usually don't start until about 9.30 to 10 central time. So, um, I started a new... I'll use my hand fan. <laughs> it's all right. Um, I started a new permadeath file in No Man's Sky because uh, I just finished the expedition, and I'm digging for some of the achievements I don't have on permadeath. Um, started another playthrough of The Long Dark because finally, I know, I think the last episode came out or is coming out. I'm just starting a new playthrough because it's a fun game. I enjoy it. Um, and I'm playing a very small amount of League of Legends just for shits and Is gates. Long Dark the one that you, your plane crashed and you're going through like the wilderness? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, like in the Canadian, in the Canadian wilderness on Great Bear Island. <laughs> yeah. By a Canadian studio with Canadian talent as the voices, mm -hmm. including the work of Jennifer Hale and, oh, what's his fucking name? Uh, David Hayter and a couple other folks that are kind of classic, uh, classic uh, voice actors in, you know, anime and uh, video games and animation period. Um, that's about all I've been doing. Neth, what have you been up to? Um, little bit of Diablo Immortal here and there on the PC. Um, I'm only playing it to get the story, so I'm not in any rush to do anything because I'm not spending money on it. I'm just so I'll go on, poke away at a little bit, a little bit here and there, log out. I don't care. I'm not in any rush to finish it because all I'm doing it for is to see the story, and then I'll be done with it. Um. Little bit of Slay the Spire, um, little bit of Sniper Elite Five because sniping makes my heart happy. Um, but that's Shooting about people it. Shooting people in the balls makes you happy. What? Shooting people in the balls makes you happy. No, I like to go for the eyeball shot. <laughs> I'm I, just saying, it's what I aim. It's what I go for is the eyeball shot. <laughs> the the um, one thing I'll say about the Diablo Immortal story is that it's all voice acted, which is pretty cool. And it's more compelling for that reason. Eh, it's it's still made by NetEase. So I don't give a fuck. I'm not interested in the game at all. <laughs> I was very hyped about it in the start. And I remember talking really great. Really, I remember after you guys have phones, you know, everybody shit on it. I shit on it, too. We all did. It all looked yeah. kind of dumb. But I mean, they seeing after seeing some of the stuff for the closed shit and the initial launch in China and the Asia markets, I was like, okay, well, this looks kind of interesting. And then it's like, oh, no, here's the monetization schedule for the U.S., for North America and the rest of the world. And I'm like, nope. <laughs> no. The one thing uh, I thought was funny was Carbot put out a video about Diablo Immortal, and it was just a phone, like, beating players up and, like, coins flying all over the place. And then they wrote in the comments, we actually made this the, when like it was announced years ago. three yeah. years ago. And we're releasing it now because we still think it fits. And they're <laughs> absolutely right. Yeah, that's funny. Yep. Um, I, I, I'm going to put, I'm going to put links to more videos uh, after the show, but Josh Strife Hayes and a bunch of other folks did a lot of really good videos doing deep dives into the monetization scheme for the game. And oh my God, it is quite possibly the most predatory thing on the planet. If you've never played like a gacha game or a uh, Chinese or a Japanese style mobile game. Oh my God. Holy shit. It is egregious. Yeah. The, the I, point 
the point that was made, I think it was a Yang Ye video that I watched that really got me was Wyatt saying, uh, Wyatt Chang, who was the you guys got phones like meme guy. And I think he's a lead dev, I think. I think he was lead dev for a while. He's like a he's a developer on the game. Let's just put it at that for now. Yeah. Um and he's like, well, you know, the items in the game are not monetized, but the the gems are. And the gems aren't he he was basically saying that the gems are monetized and the gear isn't. And so the gear isn't you know, something you have to pay for. And it's like, you have to plug the fucking gems into the gear. Okay. And that's how real you quick. get powerful. Real, real quick. We're, we're, we're going to launch right back into this in a second. The, there was no feedback. Kevin, what were the countries? Oh, the countries were US, Germany, and Canada in that order. Hello. So, so this game yeah. is quite possibly the most predatory thing that I have ever seen. And I have seen some shit in my day. This game gets around the fact that they can't have loot boxes. Yep. By making the loot box a playable portion of the game. And the key to the loot box is what you pay for. So you pay for your rift key things. Right. To get a chance to get better stuff. But you can put more keys in to have a better chance at stuff. Correct. So I believe they I believe the premium loot box, the the premium eternal rift is 10 keys and that's like $20 US. So it's $20 per rift. You wow. can only put three keys in at a time. No, yeah. sir. You can put up to 10 in that bitch. Really? Okay. Yes. I mean, the, the point is, is that you really have to spend money if you want to play in game and get good yes you need to spend money um there's it's it's incredibly predatory i will link the josh strife video um i think that's got one of the best breakdowns of the monetization side of things um which is sad because everybody said this is a really compelling game in its gameplay in in like just the core functions in gameplay they're saying it's a very it's a very good game um but it's that monetization scheme that's just like it's sucking any amount of joy this game had out of it yeah i mean the the fact that i have a diablo game that i could play on the computer and then pick up on my phone and i'm right where i left off is amazing i mean see i actually yeah and i was actually like that aspect of it i was like oh this is kind of cool because if i want to like play it on my lunch break at work i can pick up where i was do some shit while i'm on my lunch break Put it down, go home, pick it up again, and I'm still on. Like I was like, that's actually fucking cool. Yeah. But it's just like that. That to me feels more like the future of gaming than anything else. Is like having like knowing that you can do, and that's all. That's why I almost bought the um, Xbox Ultimate because you can do that with um, the games on that too. Like play it on your phone. Hmm. But um. Yeah, I mean, I, I think for me, it came down to I can continue to play this game and not spend any money and be OK with that. Or I can just constantly be reminded that I could be spending money to get better. And that's, I think, what is going to gnaw away at my soul. And so I have to just stop playing it entirely. So I've said before that a lot of mobile games and things that include loot boxes, things like that are Skinner boxes. This is an 
egregious Skinner box. Every time you complete a dungeon, it offers you a one-time pack for extra value and mentions the extra value on it. It's yeah. like and it lists it in real money. Everything else is listed in gems and things of that nature, unless you're buying bundles of things. The game is incredibly predatory. Um, and one of the things that was also pointed out was that for the greater rift keys or the eternal rift keys or whatever they're called, immortal rift yeah. keys, um, there's two different tiers to it. There's two different tiers to that key. The one you get just no, there's there. Uh, I'm talking about the purple ones, just the purple ones. I don't care about the blue ones, the purple ones. There's two different tiers to that key. The ones you get from the battle passes and the path of champions or whatever the fuck. Um, those give you soul bound items only soul bound gems only. Mm-hmm. If you want to be able to sell things on the marketplace, you have to buy the immortal or eternal greater key. That's the one that gives you unbound versions. Mm-hmm. So the unbound, the thing that gives you unsoul bound equipment or gems or whatever only drops if you buy uh, you money. if you spend actual money to buy these keys. Um, now, I assume that there's also a chance for all the the, the regular if you get a regular drop, it's not soul bound, I'm assuming. But uh, if you use these greater keys to get more legendaries, uh, you have to be very careful which one you're using. It also does not clarify which ones you are using when you jump into them. Um, the gameplay itself, I have not played the game at all. I realized that it was going to be incredibly predatory and incredibly not consumer friendly, and I did not engage period with it. <laughs> So, uh, but everything I've seen in the gameplay, it looks fr- it looks frantic. It looks fun. It looks mobile. Like I but, said, yeah. I I just want to see the story and then I'm done. Like I, I I have no interest in quote unquote end game. I just wanted to see what they did with the story. Like, yeah, I I mean it's it's a, it's an un it's an un uh, it's an unexplored space within the Diablo universe, but I'm just very incredibly sad that this was turned into a uh, that this was turned into such an egregious cash grab. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it comes down to like, do you want to be the person who plays the game and just says, no, I'm not going to spend money or should we not play it as a matter of principle? Because this is ridiculous. I'm not playing it on a matter of principle, just just based on principle alone. Um, I downloaded the game and then I started seeing everything that was going on. And actually, at this point, Diablo Immortal. Uninstall. <laughs> Boop. Oh, yeah. By the way, this takes up like nine gigs on a phone. So like it's fucking huge. It is massive. Yeah. If if you just have a 32 or 64 gig phone, like, good luck. Yep. I ran into that years and years ago, but yeah, th- those kind of problems with games years and years ago. Hearthstone was an egregious one. Um, Final Fantasy to City Opera on the online. A couple others were very bad. It's like, oh yeah, it's like a five gig game. And I'm like, this is the same. Su- I have fucking Steam games that are smaller than this that are better quality. The fuck? Yep. So, um, 
Yeah, so uh, in Diablo Immortal, uh, we missed all the hype going into it last week. That's why I was really sad that you all didn't do a show because, you know, you had an opportunity to be like live on the spot with that shit. But it is what it is. Um, we were not live on the spot. I mean, news was just all week. That's all you're hearing I know. about. That was all you're hearing about. But yeah, the game is an egregious cash grab. And I am I feel very sorry for the folks uh, for the Blizzard side folks that had to work on this. I feel sorry for the developers at NetEase that are just the the coders, the rank and file art assets, the people that are having to do that, that are pouring a lot of passion into this game and they are attaching it to just pure naked unfettered greed i get it a game has to make money but this is this is ridiculous yeah Um, i mean i mean to to attach power to things that you have to pay for is just a bad idea you know i'll buy a cosmetic i'll buy a skin whatever but you know to have to buy things to power your character up is just Especially in a game like Diablo, where the whole point is grinding to, like, power yourself up. Yep. It's just Um, cool. Yeah, it's it's just it's it's bad. It's bad, bad. Um, I mean, look at Warframe, look at other games that are doing this correctly and steal mm -hmm. what they're doing. You know, don't don't steal from the casino. You know, well, it's like. I I I I play a gacha game already. I play I have my one gacha game that I allow myself to play that I am 99.9% free to play. I have spent maybe $30 on the game okay. in like 5 okay. years. In like 5 years, okay? I spent maybe $30 on the game. Yeah. And most of that was like, okay, I feel like I need to spend a little bit of money just to justify my usage of this game because I have played it so much. Right. It's like I stopped playing Hearthstone. I stopped playing WoW. I stopped playing anything that, you know, Hearthstone was like, that was the big one. It was like I was spending $300 a year on Hearthstone. Yeah. Yeah. I was buying the bundles going into each each new release. I was buying the bundle on it. And it's like, those are $80 a piece. Those are between $50 and $80 a piece. I got out of all that. And I was just like, I'm done with this. Um, the only time I'm going to actually spend money on a loot box, so to speak, is if I'm actually physically buying magic cards and have the cards in my hand because I can sell those. I could do things with those. Yeah, they, they, they hold some value, like the vast majority of what I get is doesn't hold any value, but it does hold some value. I could potentially pull a chase and I can go, oh, well, perfect. This is, you know, this is a hundred and thirty dollar card. This pays for all the cards I bought and. I have some money left over at the end of the day. Great. Right. With Immortal and all these gotcha games and things, it's like, I don't have anything to show for this at the end of the day. All I have is FOMO and uh, trying to chase power and power creep. That's all I have. That's why I don't spend money in games like that anymore. Um, it's like, yeah, we've talked about it before, but Warframe... Pardon the yawn. Uh, but Warframe has a very very fairly user-friendly uh consumer-friendly marketplace the 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 game's economy is fairly user-friendly it's fairly friendly there is a lot of fomo associated with the game but you always remember that almost every event will come back eventually Mm -hmm. so it's not truly missing out 
but you might have to delay your gratification on that for a little while. Well, a lot of the things you can get through grinding during the events, some you can't. Um, yep. But, you know, I, I think it's more fair in that way. And, you know, things can be sold on the marketplace. You can sell things. It on doesn't the cost you anything to sell right. things on the market. So you could just go ahead and sell something. You have an item that you believe was worth something. You can attempt to sell it. And yeah. And you don't have to like, you can sell something to get the in-game currency and then use that in-game currency to buy other things on the market. You don't if have you really to, want to just go. purely spend money to get the in-game currency. Whale's going to whale, but you don't have to be a whale to play the game. Correct. Yeah. yeah, because I, I think that that's fair in terms of time versus money, right? You can because... put the time in and grind. And that can lead to in-game currency versus just it's, putting in money and buying something. It's it's like everybody it's like everybody says with Warframe, especially. It's like what they say. It's like there is a very small selection of items that are available to the people who bought the game like full price or paid extra money and gave money to the game during its very early stages of development that they exclusively have access to. I'm not a fan of that, but I understand that that's what they've done, and I understand why they've done it. I understand why they've done it. So I'm not a huge fan of it, but I understand that this is, you know, allowing some amount of exclusivity in this regard, especially because these are people who supported the game at the very earliest point when the game was struggling and the developer was struggling trying to get it out. Mm -hmm. I accept this. I understand that that's what's happened. Yeah. But this all kind of dovetails very nicely into some of the other conversations, of the, some of the other topics we did have listed out here today. Um, specifically, well, huh? Yeah. I was going to first say how much money they've been able to make off That's people. exactly what I was going to. That's exactly what I was going to. So um, in 14 days from launch, the first two weeks after launch, Diablo Immortal pulled in $24 million. That is... Shut up! Yeah, it's probably nowhere near the development cost for the game. The game probably still hasn't broken even, especially with the amount of development hell it went through and the fact that it was a farmed out studio. Um, I'm positive they probably haven't broken even or unless that number is the is the profit past a break even. I'm not certain. So uh, I, I would dig a little bit further into that information to find that. But they break down these earnings into the percentage of how much of that 24 million was spent per country the u.s has spent 43 or has spent 43 percent of that um south korea was second with 26 percent other notable countries japan eight percent germany six percent canada three percent uh congratulations neth your countrymen are not supporting diablo immortal I'm not surprised to see Korea or Japan in there. Um, those are both countries that have a very strong mobile game market um, that does support um, gotcha. gotcha mechanics and loot box yeah. mechanics. They do. They, th- those are things that are un- not unusual in those markets. So yeah. I'm not surprised to see those two there. Um, the U.S. being 43% of it, uh, it is a little shocking. Um, but you know we don't see we don't see chinese numbers in there no that's yeah. not in here because that's because the chinese one is being run directly by netease i believe the chinese version is being run by netease or tencent directly mm-hmm. so 
I believe it's NetEase running it because NetEase was the developer. So I believe they are the one running it. So they do not report their earnings to Blizzard specifically. Blizzard can get the numbers from them, but it is not something that Blizzard has on hand readily available. They have to request those kind of things. So not surprised to not see those numbers, but I would not be shocked to see those numbers be massive over there. Uh, you have to remember Diablo 3 had a cash shop, has a cash shop in China. Um, the other statistic that they released was that Apple generated 13 million of that and Android 11 million. So, yeah, so about yeah. even. very close to even. Uh, not surprised. Um, not surprised in the slightest. Um, but to get off of Immortal and kind of dovetail. God damn, I am yawning like hell today. To get off of that, yes, Kevin, yes, Kevin, that's exactly where I was going. <laughs> I know, that's where I was going, okay? To get off of Immortal, but onto the same sort of topic with loot boxes and things of that nature, um, whole mechanics. Uh, Diablo, uh, Overwatch 2, sorry, it has officially stated that they will be getting rid of all of their loot boxes, but they will be going into a uh, live service sort of model, so a battle pass, uh and a direct purchase store. So very similar to how Destiny does its uh does its live service stuff. Yeah. And um, I'm totally no. okay with this. I'm totally okay with this. I I think Battle Pass is a great way to go because you can still play the game for free, but if you want to get some extra goodies, you can pay for that period of time. And like Yeah. As as long as there's not like crazy exclusivity associated with those battle passes, I'm okay with it. I would love to see them go the Halo Immortal or whatever the most recent Halo is way of doing their battle passes. How is that? Uh, do you know? Um, the battle passes aren't time limited. You buy a battle pass and you can complete it at any time. I, yeah. So once you once you buy the battle. Well, well, OK, hmm? but what if a new season comes out? It doesn't matter. You buy the battle pass and you could do your battle pass at any time. It's self-paced, so, it sounds like. So in theory, you could be working on three battle passes at once. You could be working. You... I don't know the exact details about it, but you are not time limited. A battle pass will come back. You do not have to buy okay. it and then complete it in two weeks because you got in late on the, the season. Okay, that makes sense. You can you buy it and then you're just progressing it in the background. So it's like you're not you're not missing out on anything. You always have an opportunity yeah. to catch back up. So there's no FOMO. There's no fucking, oh, you missed this one very specific blueprint in Call of Duty Warzone three seasons ago, and now you don't have access to it, and they buff the shit out of that base gun, and now this gun, this specific blueprint is ridiculous. You know? Yeah. The um the piece that I like from <clears throat> the Call of Duty a seasonal battle pass system is the fact that you can earn enough gold to buy next season's battle pass for free. And it's a self-fulfilling a really cool idea. Yeah. So it's like I think it, Apex yeah. does that now also, but I'm not 100%. It's definitely like you, been one of my favorite things about the the having the season passes with with Warzone is that I've only ever actually paid for one. But the yeah, problem is really cool. with that the problem is with that is if you buy a battle pass and something comes up that you have to stop in the middle of the pass, you then have that fear of missing out. It, it does. Yeah. It, it's you, you have that FOMO associated with it at that yeah. point mm -hmm. where you're like, I have to keep playing. I have to keep playing. I have to get the value out of my thing. I have to get the value out of my thing. That 
always bugs the shit out of me. So the fact that Halo Infinite, it's Halo Infinite, uh, Halo Infinite's Battle Pass is just you buy it and you always have access to complete that Battle Pass is important. I mean, think about playing a game like World of Warcraft where you spend $15 a month and it automatically comes out of your credit card account and it's like whether you play for that 30 days or not you're still you're still spending $15 a month playing it you know yeah. so you're losing value if you don't play for a day in yeah. theory I want it 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 you're not getting it Neff um, oh my god but yeah I mean I understand Gab's point like it it sucks having to or buying something and then feeling like you're not getting the value out of it um so yeah i it's agree back. that that would be better it's if... out of focus yeah uh, why are you just like going through mugs I'm right coffee now? mugs to death now okay because he saw Audio... my t- he saw my giant tigger mug and then he showed me the mug that he has at his desk and i fucking want it okay the audio podcast listeners are not liking this part of the show the audio podcast listeners got up, unfortunately. So, uh, for the descriptive audio audio subtitles, <laughs> currently Gavril is holding up a coffee mug of Jack Skellington's head, while <laughs> Neth is holding up and drinking. Neth is holding up and drinking from a coffee mug that currently has the character Tigger from Winnie the Pooh on it. Kevin has taken a drink from a coffee tumbler that does not have is nondescript. Gavril is wearing a hat that is blue and tan. It has uh, the Colt 45's logo from the Houston Astros from years and years ago. Kevin is also wearing a gray and black Ringer t-shirt with novel keys listed on it, which I believe is one of his keycap companies for his custom keyboard work. That's cut all her hair I'm off. I'm not affiliated with them. I just like their website. Um, but, but anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry. So, Go ahead. Um, I mean, I think the the method that would be better or what I would like better is like you can choose to buy the battle pass. If you want, if you don't want to buy the battle pass, you can still earn everything within the battle pass by grinding. I think that that would be fair. Right. I think that's a good way of doing it. It's, 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 it's an okay way of doing it. Um, as, as long as that things like grinding, as long. Yeah. Hey, you know what, what you got to do to what you got to do to get through school. Okay. Um, (laughs) um i think that as long as the content is always available and evergreen is an important stipulation for me to put there mm-hmm. I, mean, I get yeah. i don't like how destiny does their system with the seasons where the battle pass goes away and the content associated with it goes away eventually oh, i don't like that I don't like that. I don't yeah, like I, I still me don't losing access. The whole destiny thing. Like if if I pay for something to have access to it, and you take it away from me, I'm a pitch a fucking fit because I paid you for that shit. Like what? They the way they the way they explain it is that it's a living world and that these this content disappears with time eventually because that mm. thing is no longer relevant to the storyline because that's Destiny's big thing it's one big story they are telling a story I get it but it is incredibly annoying from a consumer standpoint that I only have access to something for a year or a year and a half yeah well they pitched it and you bought it as if it was something that you you know own like a a retail box game and then they're like oh well we're actually a live service and that stuff that you bought is disappeared now it's like i'm still pissed off that i cannot play the original red war campaign i 
would love to go back in and replay the Red War. The Red War was a good story. I didn't hate the Red War story. But I can't go back and play the Red War because it doesn't exist in the game files anymore because they physically removed it. Yeah. That, See, that's they, not, I mean, that's obviously not right. Like, yeah. I, I'm not a huge fan of how they do that. But, no. Um, I, I think. I mean, I'm not a fan is, of that game in general, so. What Overwatch is doing is good, especially because people were concerned that it wasn't going to be enough content to be a a new game that you have to pay for in the first place. And the thing is, with Overwatch, I was never strictly upset with them because there was a store placed in the game eventually that allowed you to spend your coins and directly buy cosmetics. So I was not... Not all of them. Some of them were locked to... There were a couple of them that were seasonal events that were locked to seasonal events. But even then, if the seasonal event was Was on, you could purchase it. Yeah, you just can't buy it outside of the, of seasonal the actual event. Yeah. Which so really, I, that's fair. I can live with that. It's fair. And the other thing was there was absolutely no power attached to it whatsoever. It was right. purely cosmetic. Yeah. It so was, it, yeah, there was no. I believe when Overwatch first came out, we mentioned that you know it's like oh this isn't too bad. This is this is it's not great, but it's not bad. Well, it was. I think Overwatch. I'd like was, to go back and play Overwatch again. I haven't played it in a while. It was my better, wife was playing. not too long. Ago. It was better when Ooh. they added like bad luck protection and duplicate protection. Even that, still, I that bad luck and duplicate better. protection was ridiculous. It was super fucking high. Like Yuri's been playing it. She was playing it with some of her friends because oh. they're weirdos, and they decided they wanted to play Overwatch for some godforsaken reason. I, mean, I was like, why? Why not? Why? Why not? Because you can play it on Switch now. That's probably why. No, she was playing it on her, on her computer. Oh, um, okay. I was trying to explain the heroes to her, and I was like, you're not going to like this one. You're not going to like this one. You're not going to like this one. You're going to really love how this guy looks and his gameplay, but you're really not going to like the role he has to play. Who did she end she, up playing? She wanted to play Reaper, but I was like, Reaper's a diver. He is like, he gets inside of the enemy lines, takes out soft targets and then gets out as fast as humanly possible and she's like oh no i'm like you're probably gonna want to try to play hanzo but you're not gonna like hanzo's play style you're not you're really not i wanted to love hanzo didn't like hanzo i was like i i'm i'm a simple man i see engineer or tank i play engineer or tank well i love love affair with bastion i fucking love bastion Um, his little bird. I actually have the 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 big figure that they put out of him. Mm-hmm. With I I have it. It lights up and everything. It's actually really fucking uh, cool because I love Bastion and Junkrat. I fucking loved Junkrat. Junkrat was my DPS. Was my favorite of the DPS. I was not good at doing the put the trap on and launch yourself into the air thing. I I was I used to that. I, I played TF2. I just like Junkrat. I played the hell out of TF2, so that was second nature to me. That was no big deal to me. Um, I I thought that it was the grenade launcher from the original, like uh, Quake 2. It is, basically. And yeah. I wanted to love Widowmaker because, again, sniping makes my heart happy, but no. I, I liked all of the supports. I liked all of the tanks. Uh, and I was especially happy when they gave me a tanky support in Brigitte, but I stopped playing before Brigitte came out. So <clears throat> you may like that. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, grenade launcher from Quake Two and rocket launcher from Quake. Yep, two. That's exactly what they were. That's fair. <clears throat> that's fair, and that's Junkrat, and that's yep. the characters that I play the most. Yep. I'm like the the fact that I had basically the exact guns from when I first started playing FPS was amazing. I was like, they nailed it. Because <laughs> like you could tell that those guys are old school like FPS. Players. They 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 had a lot of love in their heart for those old school FPSs. Yeah. But for love for an old school thing, let's go ahead and talk about Stormgate. Okay. Yeah. Stormgate. Uh, the new FTS from Frost Giant, which we RTS. 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 We previously reported our several ex uh, Blizzard employees who made StarCraft. Um, and Warcraft 3. And StarCraft 2 and Warcraft 3. Uh, they've created a game called Stormgate. They showed a few well, screenshots. Well, this is uh, Frosthaven, correct? Um, Frost Giant. Frost Giant, sorry. Um, they showed a few screenshots. They talked about it. There's going to be, you know, several game modes. It's going to be for, you know, 1v1, multiplayer, competitive. Um, yeah. Is anyone interested in this? Does anyone want to play? Uh, fucking course I will. Mm -hmm. um, the game is being developed with a co-op campaign built in. Co-op and small scale ranked play being core values of the game. Starting with two races, There'll be a third or more coming out if the game is successful. Um, like just the fact that it's got going to have a co-op campaign built into it where it is not going to just be how Blizzard ran co-op co-op stuff. I'm down. I'm in. I 100% can't wait to see how that ends up going. Um, you and Nikolai used to love that shit. I used to play the shit out of that with Nikolai. Yep, I did indeed. I love RTSs. RTSs are like my true first love. Um, I still have very fond memories of uh, listening to uh, Blink-182, Enema of the State, on my CD player on repeat with my headphones in, with one headphone in, and having the computer headphone in in the middle of the night because that way I could actually play StarCraft on the, com on the family computer. Um, playing StarCraft... In the middle of the goddamn night in the summers. I still very clearly remember that. That was that was a really nostalgic time for me. So being able to and playing Warcraft 2 uh, on PC also like being able to command and conquer all that kind of stuff. I, I, I love real time strategy games. Um, Age of Empires, all that kind of good, good shit. The fact that this looks like it's a love letter to that sort of time frame, or at least that genre of games, I am very excited to see how this goes. I am hoping they do not have to shove predatory monetization or anything of that nature in uh, to the game. Um, but here's hoping, fingers crossed. Yeah, I played a ton of StarCraft, actually, and I used to play that when people that I played Diablo with were wanted to play it too and loved it played a ton of it <clears throat> we would always do like 3v3 p um uh, 3v3 ai or 4v4 ai mm -hmm. and we would just jack the difficulty up and just try to stay alive and yeah. you know that's 
that's what I remember playing the most of and enjoyed. I, I, I played it. I played mostly use map settings. So I was mostly a UMS player when it came to Starcraft. So I was playing tower defenses and RPGs and all the wheel, weird, wild shit that people were making up uh, in the mm -hmm. game engine back in the day. Um, you know, as everybody will very patiently explain, anybody with any history will tell you that uh, the very first MOBAs, what they call what they end up calling MOBAs, uh came out came from a starcraft mod a starcraft ums game called aeon of strife or it was ao3 i can't remember age of empires i can't remember it's one yeah. of the two but the one um, that i liked when was when there was like a horde coming at you and you just mm -hmm. have to like fend them off and you'd have like upgrade mechanics to try to yep. stay alive it was uh, like heaven versus hell that was one of the maps. yeah heaven versus hell um the the map editor allowed a lot of people with a very burgeoning interest in game development to dive into that field without getting a lot of formal education associated with it. And remember, I mean, um, you look at Dota and League and back at Heroes of New Earth and some other and a lot of other games like that it all sort of spiraled out from the creativity associated with the map editors in Warcraft 3 and StarCraft. And, and, and fuck, you could just post it and people could play it and you could get it like QA tested for you immediately by like yep. a bunch of random strangers on the internet. Yep. I, I did a little bit of, of map design and I was terrible at it. But admittedly, I was terrible at the game, period. So it wasn't a big deal. <laughs> mm -hmm. It was just carrying on the same tradition there. Um, but I'm very cautiously optimistic about the game. I cannot wait to see what it looks like. It will probably be a day one purchase for me, and I don't do a lot of day one purchases anymore. So I am very curious to see how this game pans out. I'm very curious to see where, where it goes, and I want it to succeed because I love the, R, uh, the RTS genre, and I want to see it rise from the ashes. Um, well, and... And I want to support a new developer. You know what I mean? Like, I think yeah, that those guys exactly. are supporting. Um, exactly. Um, so speaking of supporting somebody trying something new. Kevin, you were talking about uh, someone that uh, you know a bit about, but I do not because I don't follow them or that website. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, GameIndustry.biz uh, reports that Jeff Gershman, Gershman is leaving Giant Bomb. Um, he was one of the co-founders and has been working there for the past 14 years. Um, he's going off on his own, and he will be creating a Patreon. Um, and that Patreon will be called The Jeff Gershman Show, a podcast about video games. Um, and you can get to the Patreon page through the link in the um, message below. Uh, he's got um, three tier levels, $5 called Enabler, uh, $10 called Co-Conspirator, and $20 called Accomplice. Um, and, you know, there's different benefits. Uh, for $5 a month, you can get ad-free episodes. So it looks like they will be um, free to listen to, but and then you can... Uh, get an ad free version for five bucks a month which i support other patreons like the film cast that do that and think that's a good model 
or you know you'll get you'll get your content a week before it goes out live kind of thing yeah goes out free yeah yeah which i don't i don't i don't begrudge anybody for doing that you know i don't mind waiting for my content personally um but i do try to support people where i do consume a large quantities of their content eventually Mm um and he's got six thousand six hundred and fifty six people already supporting him that's you're fucking looking at this (laughs) the rich get richer um well no i mean like he spent a long time building a career and a following and he has the ability to go out and zone do it so cool you know i mean if you're if you're taking an average on that at let's say the it's just everybody supporting him at five dollars that was six thousand what Six thousand six hundred and fifty-six. But you know, if this is his only job, that means he's W two. That means he pays his own taxes. That means he has to pay for his own. Even even care. if you're assuming fifty percent tax, even if you're assuming fifty percent loss, he's still making fifteen thousand dollars a month. That's not bad. That's at base, Kevin. That's not. Do you have no concept of how money works, Kevin? That's not bad, Kevin. In two months, he will make the average pay <laughs> of the vast majority of the U.S. He'll be making over $30,000. Look, I'm sure Jeff could have made tons more money if he was not working for the man, you know, for as long as he had. But, like, you know, I don't think anybody can do this. I think, you know, there's probably a lot of smaller people that, you know, they could try to do something like that but would never be as successful as Jeff's going to be. And it takes time and it, you know, consistency to build up that kind of an audience and where he can, you know, do that. So, good on him. What I think is insane is you going that's not bad. This is it's not I think that that's crazy to me cuz that man will be making $180,000 a year, even if he's taxed at 50%, even if he loses 50% of his gross monthly income. Right. It's a it's $200,000 a year. That relative. is insane. Do you know how expensive it is to live in New York City? It's like, you know. $180,000 a year is still going to get you a nice home. Right. But, you know, half of that or more might be having to go towards that nice home each month just to be able to live there so that kind of you know i i i i i'm not gonna show i'm not gonna jump into a bunch of like leftist money is fucking bullshit and the economy is crazy and capitalism sucks but god damn god damn um there were a few big events that happened over the past few weeks where they announced games um, one of them was the Summer Game Fest 2022. Um, Gabriel, did you have a chance to check out that event live or afterwards? I did on not. YouTube? I have not checked anything about, about that. Okay. Um, they focused mostly on games that they said were going to come out soon. Um, and they showed a ton of gameplay footage. Of, there were a few games there that I thought were kind of interesting. Um, uh, one of them is going to be another RTS game about in, set in the Aliens world called uh, Aliens Dark Descent. Um, so that, what do you think about something like that? Would you play an Aliens RTS game, Gav? Depends on how well executed it is. Um, there, 
so RTSs have been kind of in a bit of a drought in the last 10 years or so. Um, one of the last ones that wasn't one of the established franchises, um, one of the big established franchises uh, that came out in the last 10 years or so. Let me actually check when that game actually came out. Um, was a title called Grey Goo. Um, it came out in. Okay, I don't need the okay Grey Goo on Steam. It came out in 2015. So yeah, it was one of the last 10 years. That was one of the last RTSs that I remember that was an or- completely original IP that came out. Besides the, apparently there's a Starship Troopers RTS out right now that just came out recently. Yeah, it's currently um, sitting at 46 on Metacritic, by the way. Yeah. Uh, Grey Goo was about the same. I believe it's got a four out of three out of five rating. It's like a six out of ten. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just they haven't been very good. Um, yeah. So I'm just I, I liked the concept of Grey Goo. I liked what they were doing with the game, but the game just was not that engaging to me. Um, but yeah, I just I, I I'm I'm hoping that we see a resurgence in the RTS genre. Um, it's one of those genres that has an incredibly high skill cap, and I like to see that skill cap, but it's also an incredibly hard game to do correctly. So, yeah. fingers crossed. Um, um, I do not have the APM to play these games at a competitive level at all anymore. I never really did. I was not that good at them uh, from a competitive standpoint, but uh, I love the genre, and I love the creativity the genre breeds. So, fingers crossed. There were several other games. They showed Guile footage from Street Fighter Six. That looked pretty mm-hmm. cool. Um, it looks like it's a lot more like cinematic, and there's more like cinematic type effects that occur when you're playing, which looks interesting. There were a lot of like horror type FPS games that mm-hmm. um, came out, none of which I'm like super interested in. Um, but yeah, I mean the event itself was interesting i like the fact that it was just kind of like you know you're watching trailers their trailers are going quickly sometimes they're interjecting and they're having talks with a few of the developers for a short period of time after the video airs so i like the format you know it was only like two hours long um the uh the section on the last of us 2 was cool because they had a few of the people who have done voices for the last of us actors um, voice actors talking about uh, the fact that they're remaking The Last of Us 1. Um, and then they also talked about some of the movie, which, or not the movie, the series that's going to be out on HBO that's coming out. Uh, Pedro Pascal and yeah. I can't remember who else. Um, I don't know if it's coming out soon. I think it's coming out next year or something. But um, yeah, that was... It was just cool to watch and listen to and kind of see some of the new games coming out. Um, the the thing that I wish, you know, something, you know, there could be something like this in the future where they maybe split it up by genre or they, you know, have a better way to organize it so you don't have to kind of watch everything in order to, like, see the event. Um, well, that's what recap websites are for. Yeah. And recap videos are for. Right. It's easier to just say like, okay, this is an FPS, this is a action game, or and you can, I can just click on what I like. Yep. But anyway, so that happened. Um, uh, there was there was also a uh, 
Xbox and Bethesda like press release that came out on the tail end of that event. Um, and they released new gameplay footage of Starfield. Uh, Starfield Which I looks. I believe is already being dubbed No Man's Skyrim. I don't know. Um, I'm not into rimming men, so I don't know. They have. <laughs> what the um, fuck did that have to do with? Go, go ahead, go ahead. Just, just go ahead and talk. Um, it looks a lot more first-person shooty than I was expecting it to be. I I thought this was going to be more like No Man's Sky, where it's like third person and you're kind of exploring and building stuff. And what we saw in the gameplay footage was kind of a ton of FPS stuff with like um, RPG mechanics where you can kind of like complete uh, challenges in order to power up your guns or, you know, killing a certain amount of characters to power up your guns. Um, there's even some like jumping and floating action going on, kind of a la Destiny. Uh, I've, I've to... heard comparisons to like uh, Outer Worlds and a couple of the other sort of like spacey sort of action-y kind of first-person-y shooty RPGs. Okay. Yeah. It's, I guess it kind of looked like that. Um, the game looks pretty. You can design a ship. You can build a ship. You can do dogfighting in your ship. Um, what you can't do is go from space to a planet or vice versa. So you're not going to be able to fly in between a planet or take your ship into a planet. Um, there's supposedly going to be like a thousand different planets to be able to visit. Um, a lot of people are skeptical that this is going to turn into just AI generated nonsense. No um, man's sky at large. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Wouldn't be you know, I mean, I think the the RPG type stuff looks cool. The gunfighting looks cool, but there's going to have to be some like compelling stuff to do at Endgame after the story. I mean, if no, no it doesn't yeah. have to be compelling at the end game, Kevin. It could just be a good game. You pay for the content that you get. It doesn't have to have an end game. That's yeah, that's not what I like. If I'm going to spend money on something, I want to play it for a period of time. I don't want to play it until the story ends and then that's okay. It. So how much how much of a period of time is an appropriate period of time? I mean, I would like to feel like I I enjoy more of this like games of the service model where you can kind of continue to play if you like to play the game. Um, and I... then you play until you get bored of it. I like just getting the game I paid for instead of having to pay for more game. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's fair. I mean, I can see that too. You know, it's when I get to an I end of a movie, I'm not like, oh, I wish there's an end game to this movie. You know, I, I, I wish there was a free play mode at the end of this Fast <laughs> and the Furious movie. <laughs> Yeah, I, I wish I wish, you know, I wish uh, Dominic, whatever, Dom and fucking Paul Walker j drop out of the sky and then they jump in cars and then they just drive for as long as I'm willing to sit in the theater. <laughs> That's what I want. I want an AI generated conversation of Paul Walker and Vin Diesel at the end. Yeah. And 
I just I just want that to go on. I want it to detect that I'm still in the audience, and I want it to just keep going until I either pass out or I die or I leave or I fall asleep. That's yeah, another one. Not, that's, that's what passing out is, Kevin. Yeah. Um. Right. So but, did you like? Did you see any of the gameplay footage? Did you like it? No, I didn't really look too. T- <laughs> <laughs> I can help you. We're talking about this. So for reference, uh, we're talking about this. And as as we were sitting there describing this incredibly dumb scenario, LB just whispers me. <gasps> what? About a, a free form Fast and the Furious movie that just doesn't end until you do. <laughs> and he's just like, I want this. Um, <laughs> um yeah, but to you know to talk a little bit more about uh sort of things that just don't seem to ever end let's talk about the grammys oh the grammys yeah that is an ongoing thing isn't it it just they... keeps fucking going it never seems like it ends <laughs> they are adding a video game soundtrack award to recognize Good. excellence in games and other interactive media. Starting Fucking in 2023, good. the 65th edition of the Grammys, we are now finally getting video game music awards. Like, some of these soundtracks that have been developed for these games are leaps and bounds ahead of some of the other shit that you're going to get. Like... Think of Destiny's soundtrack. Think of Doom. Doom's soundtrack. Yeah. Those are soundtracks that are so integral to the games themselves that they help define the game and the genre like the fact that this was not something that people recognized up until this point outside of like the video game awards right at it's it's good to see it but it's like fucking finally like go look at the orchestral tracks for wow go look at the orchestral tracks for final fantasy 14 go back and look at final fantasy 7 final fantasy 8 final fantasy 9 9 especially look at the soundtracks from those games they are just absolute gems i have listened to the soundtrack for final fantasy 9 and final fantasy 8 on repeat in the past yeah it's the, some of these um composers have been starting to you know get notoriety notoriety for themselves that have kind of gone beyond the funny thing is like some of these composers are well known outside of video games but their video game work is not recognized as heavily as say their orchestral work or Mm -hmm. their production work and it's just fucking sad man like some of these game soundtracks are just are works of art they're works of art and they don't get recognized for what they are outside of the outside of the the ecosystem, the genre. So the fact that we're starting to see a little bit more uh, a little bit more mainstream appeal and a little bit more mainstream recognition is good. Yeah, and you know that's how video games have been in general. Is like I guess because they haven't been realistic or they have I don't know why they haven't been considered art or you know worthy of awards in the past well, and i'm glad that the industry remember, is starting to you, you have to people rem- for their excellence in games uh you have to remember robert uh, ebert uh roger ebert once made the quote that video games can never be considered art 
there's no soul, there's no joy, there's nothing of that. And it's like, that's the kind of prevailing notion that's existed for the last 30 plus years in the video game, uh, in, in the, in the mainstream media. I don't like to say that, um, in the mainstream world of art, video games are not considered art. They are considered a disposable, uh, entertainment piece. When, you know, you look at movies, movies are, cons- are, are not considered disposable entertainment, right. but some video games have significantly better stories and they're just a better overall quality of what you're experiencing. Yeah. Yeah, Um, I've said that a few times to Mandy about like, or just thinking about it in general, people who aren't in the video games will not be able to experience some of these stories and they're really awesome stories. Um, you know, an interesting concept would be to basically create a movie of someone playing a game through, you know, like doing mm-hmm. a clean run through of a game. You, you mean a let's play? I guess, but like basically sell it as if it's a movie. Like that would be an interesting concept because like, especially, well, last of us is probably a bad example because that's getting transformed into a TV series, but it's like, getting an adaptation. Yeah. Yeah. Like watching someone go through a clean run through of um, like that game. Uh, last of us that would be probably compelling like as a movie to some people you know yeah it's it's let's plays and that is a huge genre like actual plays and let's plays are huge genres for people um they they get millions and millions of daily views on twitch and youtube and all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. so it 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 surprises me that it's taken this long for video games to be considered and uh, to be starting to be more classified in in something that is worthy of praise and consideration of being an art form um i think that i think that for a very long time uh there has been a again there's just so much um so much not vitriol but derision directed at uh, games as an art um and it's it's just it's incredibly sad and it's Mm -hmm. just it's incredibly frustrating it's incredibly sad because there are just there are so many games that are that have incredibly compelling stories that explore a lot of depth that you know yeah you look at you the mainstream uh consumer of entertainment products is going to look at a video game and go they, they get asked oh hey what uh, do you, what do you know about video games it's like oh those are the games where you shoot people or you play football right and it's like that it's fifa right uh, yeah. it, it's madden it's fifa it's uh, call of duty and it's like no there's a whole ass world of video games that 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 is a very small proportion of what is released on a yearly basis or on a weekly basis like there are games that I have genuinely felt deep emotion over because it does tell such a compelling story. And yeah, it's like um I could sit there and tell you like right now the long dark makes me feel things about the characters and the experience because it is such a compelling game world that it is building. This is a the the quiet apocalypse man it's 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 just a good story Mm -hmm. um but 
Speaking of Final Fantasy, as I was talking about earlier, speaking of Final Fantasy, we will be getting, uh, we have officially gotten Final Fantasy VII Remake Integrate, which is the remake of Final Fantasy VII that uh, released exclusively on, uh, on PlayStation and I believe the Epic Store originally. Uh, that has finally come to Steam. Oh, cool. Uh, it is currently on sale for $46, down from its normal price of $70 fucking dollars. $69.99. It's currently on sale for $46.69 until the 23rd of June. Why you gotta scream? Because I can. Um, because that's an egregious price for a video game. <laughs> okay. I hate to harp on that, but it is not. Because right now we are basically paying the same price for video games as we paid in the late 90s, early 2000s. And video game prices have not adjusted for inflation, really. Like, the price of a video game should be in the $100 range right now, and it's not. Even though video games have become, as we were just talking about art, video games are becoming more and more involved. It is more epic, more, more sweeping storytelling, more professional voice work all this kind of stuff and the games are getting more expensive but the prices haven't really gotten expensive which is why we've seen the switch to live service models because that is a continual stream of investment that is a minimal amount of minimal amount of work that they have to put in to release content for it um in other Final Fantasy news, Final Fantasy Crisis Core, which was a little-played PSP exclusive from uh, the PSP era, so years and years ago. It was a fantastic game. I played it. It's very good. Um, is uh, Crisis Core is getting a remake, uh, which I believe is... Uh, I don't I believe it's Final Fantasy VII Resurrection or Final Fantasy VII Crisis Resurrection or something of that nature. Um, it is getting a remake. It is beginning. It looks to be using the exact same engine as Final Fantasy VII Remake Integrate. Uh, so it is. And in fact, the funny thing is, is that the Final Fantasy VII Remake engine is closer to what Crisis Core actually was because it was kind of a hacky slashy sort of action RPG rather than a turn based RPG. Um. So the engine is going to set, mix with it very well. That'll be getting a release this winter. Um, it's probably going to be a PlayStation exclusive. I did not look too deeply into it. Um, uh, uh, Kevin has added in that re uh, 7 Remake. They Oh, that, that is actually a good point. They have officially announced that it will be a three-part trilogy. So it will be three parts. It'll be a full trilogy. For the Final Fantasy VII remake. So it gives us an idea of what we're going to see in the second game. And what we're going to see in the third game. Uh, based on the original storyline. Of course they have kind of gone off the rails from that a little bit. So we'll see where this ends up going. <clears throat> uh, I'm excited to see what it looks like. Uh, I mean I'm probably not going to be playing them for a couple of years. Because of uh, exclusivity deals and all that kind of bullshit. But uh, we'll see where it ends up going. <clears throat> in other PlayStation news, Kevin. Hmm. That first story you've got, number one. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> PlayStation a news. <laughs> a game that's going to be coming out on PlayStation and Steam called Stray gets a release date. Um, this was a game, I can't remember when we first reported on this, but it was a game that I was interested in from one of these, like, I game announcements. E3 a couple years ago. Okay. 
Yeah. It was, it was an E3 announcement because I remember it. Because I remember uh, Spawn and I watched it. And I yeah. remember all of us were like, oh, this looks so cool. Yep. You play a kitty who's stuck in a post-apocalyptic future where there's a bunch of robots. It's an exploration game. It's a puzzle game. It's um, a cute kitty game. Um, you've got a little robot that helps you out at times. Uh, really? That... How can you go wrong with any of those options? I know. Um, that will be coming out on July 19th, so about a month from today. So. Okay. Um, and again, it's PS5 and Steam. Wait. Yeah, I need that. I don't believe it's coming out on Steam. Oh shit! It's not coming out on Steam. Yeah, it's PlayStation <gasps> exclusive. It's a console what? exclusive. I was like, I was pretty certain it was a console exclusive. Uh, yeah. No, yeah. it's listed on Steam. It's listed on Steam. I'm looking at it right now. What's the uh, release July date? 19th. What's the release date? July 19th. Okay. Okay. So it is coming out on Steam on the 19th. Okay. Yep. So yeah, that looks like a cool game. Um, um in exclusive news let's i'm trying to continue these transitions smoothly here uh in other exclusive news lord of the rings return to moria yeah this is piqued my interest because it is the only survival crafting game set in middle earth that's an incredibly niche industry (laughs) the problem is is that it's all dwarfs and i know that's not a problem well, Some I mean, it's in the title, like Return to Moria, Casa Doom. Like, who the fuck else would it be if you're going to Moria? <laughs> who, who else would be trying to return to Casa Doom? I know Darryl a lot Darryl. of people want Darryl to play WoW. Well. They want to kick gnomes. They want to punt gnomes. They, they want to kill dwarves. They can, I don't... Fucking, they no, can no, fucking do that to no, gnomes no, all they want. Nobody no, fucks no, with dwarves, son. No, 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 Kevin. Everybody wants to kick and punt gnomes. I have never heard anybody say I want to kill a dwarf. Everybody wants to hug and drink with the dwarves. <laughs> It's your fault okay. that you choose to play gnomes, and gnomes are creepy little fuckers. Dwarves are awesome. Dwarves are anyway. awesome. Um, I'm interested in the concept here. It looks like there's some gameplay where you're like building in Moria, so you're like making houses out of like caves, um, which could be cool. I think that would be a cool like crafting mechanic. And then there's obviously a lot of um, mining because you're in a cave, so you're like building little um like wooden planks so that you can mine uh up and down big walls okay the lord of the rings nerd in me is mad at you that you did not read the official description gab i'm gonna need you specifically to read the official description okay where is it is it in that uh article it's in in the article um two paragraphs below the first the first uh the first playable video is it quote the story of? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but I, I, but I, I need Gab. I, I'm sorry, I need Gab to do it. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> the story of the Lord of the Rings: Return to Moria takes players beyond the books and into the fourth age of Middle Earth, the fantastical world created by J.R.R. Tolkien. The official description reads: Summoned to the Misty Mountains by Lord Gimli Lockbearer, players take control of a company of dwarves tasked to reclaim the lost spoils from the dwarven homeland of Moria, known as Casa Doom or Darrowdelf, to the depths below their very feet. Their quest will require fortitude, 
delving deep into the mines of Moria to recover its treasures. Players will be forced to join Players will join forces to survive, craft, build, and explore the iconic sprawling mines. Courageous expeditioners will need to be vigilant as mysterious dangers await. Hey, my editor is happy now. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, so it sounds cool. I like. Uh, it games. does. It does. I like the dwarves in Middle Earth. I, I, I really like them. I mean, uh, you're. you're I Lord of the Rings puts me to sleep. Okay, it does. It's like Dune. It puts me to sleep. Lord of the. I'm not kidding you. I have never completely read the Lord of the Rings because I always fall asleep somewhere around uh somewhere in the Two Kings, Two Towers. Sorry, uh, I always fall asleep uh in Lord of the Rings. It's the same with Dune. I have never read Dune by Frank Herbert all the way through. I fall asleep. And I am a reader, okay? I am a fucking reader. Yes, she is losing her fucking mind. Let me put it to you this way. I don't know why Lord of the Rings and Dune bore the shit out of me. Because you are a horrible person. (laughs) But I am able... Let's, let me put it to you this way. I can read. I have read all of. Well, I read most of Until He Died. Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time. Me too. And I read everything up to Dance with Dragons of uh, A Song of Ice and Fire. Um, And both of those books, both of those series bog themselves down oh, in minutia so oh goddamn God. much. Yep. Naive tugged her braid 76 times in the last chapter. <laughs> John picked mealworms out of his out of his out of his hard tack. You know, I I they get bogged down in minutia. Let's tell a story about how all the girls sit and talk about how great Randall Thor is. Okay, they get very bogged oh down in minutia, but I, I was able to re- read those now. Fuck, I haven't read those in so long. But I was able to read all the way through them without having yeah. trouble. Uh, but it's just I don't know what it is. Dune is the worst. Dune. I have never read past the halfway point in that book because it always puts me to sleep. I, and, and I am not offended by that because I, I, I haven't been able to get through that one either. As it's a something reader, about Frank. It's something about Frank Herbert's prose. I, yeah, I don't, I don't like I don't like his writing style. Um, at all. But Tolkien, at all. I can get through the first book and a half or so. But it's just like I start it gets to a point where it's just like Mary and Pippin are traveling through the Shire are traveling through the woods. And it's just like. Oh, okay. They're going to talk about this again. All right. Can we go back to talking about Tom Bombadil? I'd love to talk about him some more. Please. <laughs> Please. Oh, God damn it. They're talking about what they're eating for lunch. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm a big reader. I love to read, but it's just like, yeah, like Lord of the Rings just never could like sink it. Do you want to know a really funny thing? This is the last thing I'll talk about Lord of the Rings, Kevin, okay. and, we'll, and books. We'll get out of this. Um, Why? It's I have, 30. Extended I, universe. I have read the entirety of the Silmarillion and not had so any problems with it. And never had any problems with it. Silmarillion? It was great. It actually hooked me in despite being a lot of dry facts and just like like small stories. It really hooked me in. But like they're like Lord of the Rings itself, I can't. The Hobbit, I liked The Hobbit. I read through all of The Hobbit, no problem. But Lord of the Rings just could never hook me in. Um, it's but yeah, very heavy. So, 
the the game looks really good. I really like them telling this story, but at the same time, I need to know when this takes place. Because by that point, the the, the dwarves should be getting ready to leave. You want to know when it takes place? It says right in the last thing. It says, Lord of the Rings Return to Moria takes place in the fourth age, which is the age after the events of the films and books and two ages past the timeline where this uh, Amazon's series will take place. But the fourth age is, is the age of men and hobbits. It's, 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 the, the dwarves shouldn't really be there. They should be getting ready to leave. Yeah, it says they're going back to get the spoils. You read it. Yeah, they're they're going. Right. Back. I I I no, no no no. They should be getting ready to to leave. The age of the immortals is over. At this point, the age of the long lived races is over. They should be getting now ready comes to the leave. Age of man. Yeah, God, they should be. Kevin, it's like they, line for the fucking movie. They they should be getting ready to leave. The the age of men. So so the thing is, okay. So real quick, the way I always understood the Lord of the Rings is that when you're in the third age, that's when the Lord of the Rings takes place, and that is still the age of the old beings that is still the age of uh the elves and the dwarves and the long-lived races um and at you remember at the end of the lord of the rings the elves head west and they take bilbo and frodo with them all right the whole the whole point is going west is it's sort of a euphemism for the age passing because they're physically going west no, actually, Gab, I just looked up, and so canonically, this game actually makes sense. So it says, um, canonically, the dwarves eventually die out. Their populations are shrinking because too many die in battle, too few have children. The process continues until basically there are more, no more dwarves left, and their halls grow, our halls are left empty. Uh, the fourth age, however, isn't completely cruel to them. They do get to spend their last few generations reclaiming and reliving in their ancestral home of Moria. So that's canon. Okay, so the dwarves never leave then. They die the dwarves, out. The dwarves don't go west. The dwarves die no, out. Okay. The dwarves die out. Wow. That's rough. That's rough, yeah. bruh. But but they get to they get to spend their last last remaining years in Moria. So that's canon. So this book, th- this game is actually following canon. Um, so that's actually not surprising because guess what? They have the world's foremost Tolkien and Lord of the Rings scholar consulting on it, by the way. Um, oh yeah. There, there is actually a whole field of scholarly study related to Lord of the Rings, Kevin. Yeah, it's very Yikes. serious. Yeah. Yikes. Um. So uh, I'm I'm done. I'm sorry. I apologize. We're, we're 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 done talking about that deeply, 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 deep cut right there. Um. So I know Neth so had. Deep, I almost fell asleep. I know Neth had a couple of things that she was going to talk about. I know that were PP related. Yes, I have two PP related topics. Um. So I'm going to do the season four first. Uh. So, um. So players on Vanguard and Warzone should expect an update coming um, in the next couple of days. Season four goes live on June 22nd. Um, Season four is called Mercenaries of Fortune. Um, So there's going to be a new resurgence map for the Battle Royale called Fortune's Keep. Um, There's going to be some new areas and updates on Caldera. 
including uh, there's some new new areas, uh, storage town. There's some vaults. There's going to be reduced vegetation, so a little harder for people to hide in, in the veg. Um, there's some new maps coming for Vanguard side, um, and some new round based zombie fighting for Vanguard side. Obviously, new weapons, uh, a couple new operators, that sort of thing. Um, so you know your your typical updates to stuff coming. Um, but yeah, that's in like four days. The other one, and I just, in all honesty, I read this and just fucking giggled like a maniac. So everybody, I'm sure at this point, um, has heard of Ricochet, the anti-cheat program that they're using. Okay, that's so up, they. Yeah. Ga- they gave more information about um, how Ricochet is working. So Ricochet is working two ways. Um, not only is it looking for the people to ban, but it's trying to find ways to um, mitigate the damage that cheaters do on the game while keeping them in game long enough to get the information that the game needs to be able to ban them. Okay. So they were talking about some of the mitigations that are part of Ricochet, okay? So um, the one that people are is most visible to people since it's been announced before and it's actually visible um, is the damage shield. So if you're being shot by a, a cheater um, and your health is just going down very, very slowly, it's a cheater shooting at you because that way they're wasting ammo and it takes a while for them to register that they're being, they've been detected. So um, th- there's that one. There's uh, Cloak, um, which is basically um, your own personal ghost mode. Um, there's been some clips apparently that have made it to YouTube and stuff like that. So you, you can find them. I haven't seen one yet. I want to find one. Um, but basically, if a cheater is hit with cloaking, okay, um, their shots basically cause all in-game players around them to vanish. <laughs> so picture you being shot by somebody and you vanish and then they're sending spinning in circles, but you can still see and shoot them. <laughs> so the new one, though, that they've announced and have finally put into place is um, called Disarm. So when cheaters are detected, they just simply lose their weapons. <laughs> So they're running around with no fucking guns and they can't even punch with their fists. They have nothing. So they have like absolutely no lethality whatsoever. They are just running around useless. Um, They also did say like when they were talking about the bands that they just recently did another 180,000 plus bands across Warzone and Vanguard combined um, since the last update. And they're just talking about ways that people can, you know, make it make their accounts more secure because part of what the cheaters are doing is actually pulling and using other people's accounts, not their own. So, you know, two factor authentication and stuff like that. But I just the disarm just made me giggle like a maniac at the thought of like these cheaters running around and poof, their guns are gone. (laughs) Have fun with that. You have no gun. (laughs) Trying to punch people. It's not working. So yeah, so that that's all I had was just two quick two quick stories on the pew pews. Okay. Um, I, I don't know where that third story under my name came from. I don't I either. Sure as fuck didn't put it there. 
but it's something I will I'll jump into in a minute. Um, last thing I'll talk about that is specific something I mentioned just to keep everybody abreast of League of Legends news. I just something that interested me. Um, we got uh, Belveth, who is the most recent champion. Uh, she is a monstrous ADC jungler. Uh, that has about a billion and a half dashes, so it's another one of those champions that just moves a fucking lot. Um, and they've already announced the next champion, which is Neela, um, who is a ha, 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 a ranged ADC with a million dashes, what looks to be a pull-in ultimate and a CC immunity on her one of her regular abilities. So <laughs> another one of those 200 years champions we love to talk about. So just throwing those out there real quick. Um, the other thing is I believe that Riot announced a partnership with Xbox Game Pass. Um, so you can oh. play League, Valorant, Legends of Ruterra, a bunch of other stuff, uh, all of the Riot games on Game Pass, or you will be able to at some point. Um, and in doing so, if you play it through Game Pass, you will have access to all of the champions unlocked. I think most of the skins. Um, Valorant, you'll have all the agents. Runeterra, you'll have a bunch of cards. Uh, pre-built decks available to you, pre and a bunch of cards available to you. So uh, giving you an opportunity to play sort of the I own everything and I don't have to worry about paying for everything because I'm paying $8.99 a month to Xbox to do this. So I will I think, say, if they hmm? have, it's not on there yet because I pulled my Xbox, I pulled my Game Pass up I when you said that. I heard there. about that recently. Let me double check that real quick. Yeah, it's probably not live yet. I'm just saying, just so people don't run out and spend oh, money yeah, yeah, yeah. on Like, it is yeah. not live yet. So... Yeah, um, let's see. This winter. Ah, okay. I will put that into the show notes real quick. Um, yeah, so it's, yeah, we it's have... like thousands of dollars worth of value, basically. It, it is. If you play League of Legends and you don't mind playing it through the Xbox app, or Legends of Ruterra, or Wild Rift, or Valorant, or any of that stuff, it, it'll be interesting. Including mobile, too, Gav. I'll say what they have added on um, Game Pass recently is is LB's um, ship destroying game. Uh, Shipbreaker. Yes. Because mm -hmm. Spawn's been playing the shit out of that. That's a good game. It's a very good game. I'm very interested in picking it up, and I never did. So uh, I'll probably pick it up if it goes on sale at some point. Um, another game that I found on Steam uh, due to Next Fest is called Melatonin, which is a chill rhythm-based game um, that looks really fun. I caught this on a YouTube video um, of, you know, people going through some of the Next Fest games, by the way. Uh, do you guys know about Next Fest? Have you played any of the demos or? No. Okay, so Next Fest is on Steam. It's an event that runs between June 13th and June 20th. So there's two more days left. It's seven days. There's hundreds of demos that you can download and play now. There's a bunch of people streaming through the Steam app or the Steam website where you can watch them playing some of these new games. Um, yeah, but there's... And these demos are free. Like, you could just download and start playing them. Um, it's got a pretty cool, like, narrowing mechanism. So you can say, oh, I want to do open world RPG sandbox games, and then it will show you what games have demos in that genre. And even that like 
cross section of genre. And then you can like download, oh, well, here's a game called Big Ambitions or, you know, uh, whatever. You know, there's multiple games out there. So, um, yeah, we were kind of reporting on that late, but um, I just wanted to mention Melatonin, one of those games that looks really fun to play. And the next best event that's going on on Steam now. Yeah. Hey, uh, it's always good to hear more about like uh, smaller games coming out and stuff that's going to be popping up soon. Mm-hmm. Um, in the complete opposite side of things of that, um, we have gotten some we've finally gotten the last of the launch classes for Diablo 4 announced. Uh, we've also seen some gameplay Sad. trailers. Yeah, we've also seen some gameplay trailers and some other stuff, but uh, the not that characters we wanted. I mean, okay, I'm not sad about the last one that was announced because it's a class I like. However, the class that I really and truly fucking wanted the most, not there. I'm sad we didn't get any of the tanky boys. Pardon? I'm sad we didn't get any of the tanky boys. We didn't get Templar or we didn't get Crusader or uh, Paladin Mm, announced. Yeah, but you got Barbarian. Eh, different play style. Ah, it's a tanky boy. Ah, different play style. Boy. Very different play style. Who did you want, Neth? I wanted Amazon. My, I wanted my Amazons back. Amazons, yeah. Um, uh, so play the it, rogue. It's a bit of a um, it's a bit of a nostalgic letter towards Diablo two and one. Uh, from Diablo two, we are getting barbarian, druid, necromancer, um, and sorcerer. <laughs> From Diablo 1, we are getting Rogue. Yeah. Yeah, so. Which? Uh, I would have okay, liked to have I seen. Guess. I would have liked to have seen Wizard instead of uh, Sorcerer. Yes, but, agreed. You know, I would agreed. have liked to have seen Wizard instead of Sorcerer, but, you know, it's not a big deal. Uh, they basically play pretty, pretty much the similar. same, so. And and I can I can live like I'll almost likely end up playing Necromancer because since I didn't get my Amazon. I'll I'll go pet class, which I have fun with. I would have preferred to have been able to play uh, a paladin or a t- or a temp or a crusader, but Barb is fine. I am, um, am kind of interested in what they're gonna like. I think that you may find that the druid is gonna have a very tanky build to. I will, but I don't. I never liked druid in Diablo two. Never liked it. Yeah, we'll see what they do with it though. Yeah, I'm def. I'm definitely like, oh my god! I will fully admit the sound that I made when I saw that it was completely open world. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we on that all note, know we, how much I we'll fucking getting, love open world. <laughs> we will be getting character customization. Uh, it looks like we'll be getting uh, an open world environment, so it will be a seamless environment. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, dungeons, normal stuff. Uh, there's a gameplay trailer for it if you'd like to see. Um, I don't know. I, I I'm still kind of. Eh, we'll see. The first of all, I just went to the Diablo website and I found out that they're doing a Hell's Inc. Diablo tour where you yep. can get tattoos mm-hmm. of Diablo. Yeah, you can. Um, so there's yeah, they have this contest on, and I'm not going to lie. I actually was looking to see where the closest one is to me to determine if it was worth entering for me or not, because Chicago. yeah, um, neither of which are really close enough 
to yeah. make it realistic for me. Like there's there's no even if they had had like one Canadian location of Toronto or Montreal, it would have made it more feasible because not having to travel into another country. I mean, it's basically honest, just major cities. Yeah, but I, I honestly would have probably put in an entry. Yeah. Like absolutely. Yeah. Like the the artists that they have doing these things are like well-named artists. Like they are artists doing the tattoo in Miami is Tattoo Baby for God's sake. She's she was on Ink Master one year. Like these are all names that I fucking recognize because like I follow a lot of tattoo artists because I love the art form. And yeah. so I was like, "Oh shit, this is actually really fucking cool." And it's like to enter to win, you just have to like, what makes Diablo special to you? Like, what is it about Diablo that makes it special to you? And then they're picking winners for for each of the locations. Yeah, I just I I, I always hate to see where it's just they use these trendy major cities as the only locations for this sort of stuff. Yeah, because you've got L.A., Chicago, New York, Miami in the U.S. <laughs> London in the UK, Berlin in Germany, and Melbourne, Melbourne and Sydney in Australia. Yeah. It's very Eurocentric. Well, I mean, like, there's, there's absolutely, like, a huge swath of nothing across all of Asia and Africa. Mm-hmm. There's nothing and South in America. South America. Yeah. And apparently Canada doesn't exist because, you know, we're America adjacent, but... I, I, I hate to see that, but I also get that this is like, oh, these are like major trendy cities where, you know, influencers and all that kind of bullshit. Well, they picked north, south, east, west in the United States. And I can't imagine putting on an event like this is easy. So I'm I'm surprised there's four in North America. Well, it's always nice to see that, you know, flyover country is still a thing in the U.S. <laughs> yeah. Um, but one of the things that one of the things that's on there too is if you don't win the custom tattoo, um, but you still want to get a, t- a tattoo from the event, fans can line up for a chance to be inked by other artists at the shop. There will be flash tattoos available for walk-ins on a first come first serve basis. So, like, there's going to be other flash available that is related to. The, the Diablo universe that will be available for inking, which I think is fucking cool. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm just going to get a D on my D. It's going to be a pretty small D, Kevin. Lowercase. I wasn't going to say Is it going to be lowercase? Lowercase? Okay, yeah. Um, um, the, but yeah. One of, the, one of the cool things I heard about the gameplay of Diablo 4 was you're going to have like an open world. I don't know how open world it's going to be, but you can like take an area that's infested with monsters and like clean it out and then it can become a town or like a waypoint or something, which I thought was a cool idea. So you can kind of convert the land into non-infested land by killing the monsters there. Wastelander, Volter, there's another settlement in danger. I was trying to recreate the game accurately for you there, Neff. There's apparently like towns that are besieged that you can reclaim those towns and then they'll right. turn back into functioning towns. It's not just like random wasteland reclaim it and then people are like, hey, I'm going to move in the middle of nowhere. And like it's it, you're reclaiming towns that were already towns. 
But still, I'm I'm fucking giddy for an open world Diablo Four. Yeah. After Immortal, I'm definitely not. What? After Immortal, I'm definitely not. Uh, I know, but I just after well, not even that. After all the <laughs> bullshit that Blizzard's pulled in the last couple of years. Mm. And this has been in development hell for how long? Almost a decade. Oh my god, has it been that? Yeah, it's probably been uh, that long. 2013 was was it 2013 that Diablo two three came out? Diablo 3 2012. So it has been a decade since I'm Diablo gonna admit 3. too, because mm-hmm. I am such a fan of Diablo. I rewatched that cinematic trailer with Lilith again recently. Mm-hmm. Fuck that shit still gives me goosebumps. It is so fucking well done. I thought you didn't like horror. This is different. I can tell you that right now. This is not strictly horror. This is not horror. This is this is this is almost gothic horror, but not quite. Okay, I, I, will... I will admit there is there is one moment in Diablo that scared the shit out of me the first time I fucking played it because I wasn't expecting it. And it's when you open the door of the butcher and you hear Ah fresh meat. meat. <laughs> I almost pissed myself! I fucking closed the door again and ran the other direction. Ah fresh meat. You don't even have to step foot in the room. The trigger is opening the door, and it was just like, oh, no, I'm going to close the door again. I think... I think that... I had something, and it's gone now. I had something, and it's it's, just completely gone. We're talking about it being horror. It's not... It's not horror, like... It's gothic. Is, yeah. is a better way to put it. I really am still very upset about all the people that are like, Diablo 3 was trash because it was too bright. <laughs> it's yeah, like, Belgular was talking about that, and I'm just like, fuck off, you fucking cum stain. I don't it's, care. It's not dark enough for me. It's not my Diablo. It's not gritty. It's not my Diablo. There's, there's a fantasy level in it. That's it's, it's like and that shit just always fucking pisses me off. Like you don't have to be fucking. You don't have to have a fucking gray, black, and brown palette for a game to be dark. Nope. I mean, some. In in all honesty, some of you can make a game hella dark by making it a bright and colorful palette, and then putting in dark fucking like storyline. Because well, it's like, then it's the like, desert. oh, what the fuck? Why? Look at Act Why Two of Diablo so Three. Act Two of Diablo Two. Act two of Diablo two. You're in a fucking bright, sunshiny desert. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was still a fucking dark chapter. Holy shit. Just because the overworld is bright and sunshiny doesn't mean everything is all sunshine and rainbows. Um, we're, we're running a little late. Kevin, you got one more story you wanted to talk about? Yeah, I just wanted to give a quick mention to a new podcast from a YouTube channel that I watch called skill up um and they just released their first podcast episode which is called friends per second um and it's skill up and a few other people in the gaming industry um i'll put a link in the show notes it's going to be available on skill ups youtube channel and also on 
podcasting apps. Um, they were talking about some, they met up in person in LA at the uh, Summer Games Fest 2022 event and recounted, you know, seeing demos and games that they played while they were at the event. So that's a pretty cool discussion. So um, check it out. They got, they have, a, they got deep into the Street Fighter game uh, and had a discussion about that. That was pretty interesting. So if you're into podcasts about video games, which maybe you are, if you're listening to this, then that would be something else to listen to. <laughs> That's it. Great. Um, okay. Anybody got any final thoughts? Kenneth, let's start with you today. I really want to get my hands on Stray. I completely had forgotten about that until Kevin brought it back up. Now I want to play the shit out of that. I'm a kitty. Okay, so I'm just gonna. My final thought is gonna be real quick. Um, Neth, I I swear I heard you say Straya, and I was like, why do you want an RPG set in Australia? Straya. Stray. I heard you say oh. Straya, and no. I was like, why does she want? Why does she want a RPG set in the slums of Sydney? I would play the shit out of that, hot, admittedly. Hot surfer boys. <laughs> I'd play the shit out of it, admittedly, but yeah, Kevin. Um. Yeah, I think the one thing that I'll say is my final thought is that, you know, if you're on the fence about Diablo Immortal or another gotcha game, you don't have to play it. You don't, don't have to play it. it. You don't have to or worry about it. Or you can play it and not out. spend money. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, my conclusion is don't play it. Because I think that, you know, temptation is a real thing and some people don't have the ability to not spend money or when you see a thousand ads for something and then you finally want to buy something after the thousandth time if you're susceptible to that kind of stuff just don't play it and i think we should you know show and tell blizzard that that's not a type of game that we want to play or subject our children to if we have children i mean i can't imagine having a kid and them asking me to spend money on games like that like it it must be unbearable Yep. So, kid, he's never once asked me to spend money on games like that. He's older than kids today who are coming up with candy. He, he's talking about this current generation of stuff that's coming up. The the sort of egregious monetization that's happening right yeah, now. Exactly. So, um, yeah, we don't have to spend money on it. We don't have to tell people that like we'll play games. It sucks that it made twenty four million dollars already because. I'm sure they're. I don't know. think they're going to make too much more than that. The game's been in development for like five or six years. And yeah, I don't think they're going to go too. I don't think they're going to hit that billion mark. I don't know, but that's just me. So, yeah, definitely don't don't play it if you don't want to. All right. Uh, anybody else got anything else they want to mention before the show ends? All right. Well, folks, that is going to be the show for this week to talk to us during the week. You can find us on Twitter. The show is at Coast to Coast EU. Kevin is at SwingCat with a K. Chris is at Akari underscore Lich. I, of course, am underscore. I am, of course, at Gavril underscore ET. That's two I's and a single L. Neth is at Neth Winch. Send emails to feedback at tctceu.com. We'd love to hear from you. Join us live on Saturdays when we record and stream the show right here on twitch.tv slash ctceu. For links to today's show and for our Discord, 
you can visit the website at tctceu.com. Shoot us reviews, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, however it is that you listen to our dulcet tones. Say fresh meat, boys and girls. Fresh meat. <laughs>